did you know anything about James's kind of side business and, and drugs? Yeah, he, he, he did do that. Mm-hmm. And now when you found out that he was murdered, what mm-hmm. did you think? I thought it had something to do with that. When this thing goes to court and trial, I have one shot and one opportunity to be not guilty, or I go to prison in death row. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the reality of it. We have busted alibis. We have caught people in lies. This is just insane because everybody's pointing the finger at somebody else. You just don't hear every day walking in somebody's house, they're going to take the plastic out and pop somebody. So he could get the execution date pretty much any day? Yeah. There's no impediment. This is Cousins by Blood. Episode 27, Frank, the Roommate, Part 2. Last episode, you heard Frank and Rick's trial testimony. You also heard from Frank, Rick, and Rick's wife, Laura. And as I said last episode, there seems to be a side to Frank that Laura and perhaps Rick didn't know. Those felony drug charges on Frank's record occurred after the murders. However, according to Ivan, Frank had a long-standing history of drug use prior to the murders. I can't confirm the veracity of this upcoming statement, as James is no longer alive. But Ivan has certain things he says he personally recalls about Frank. Ivan wrote me this in a letter. Sometime during the early 1990s, I met Frank. My best recollection is that the year was either 1992 or 1993. One evening while hanging out at James' apartment, Frank stopped by for about 30 minutes. James introduced us and explained that he had met Frank through Dino And during Frank's quick stop, he and James entered the back bedroom for a few minutes. Once they returned back to the living room, we all exchanged small talk for a little bit. I shared that it was nice to meet him and he returned the same type of pleasantry before leaving James' apartment. Shortly after he left, I asked James, why did you all have to go to the bedroom? And James said, because I had to sell him some Coke. From that day forward, I always knew that Frank had been buying Coke from James. Over the years, I never really hung around with Frank, but when I did see him, it was usually in short little increments, such as 30 minutes to an hour every now and then. The most amount of time that I ever saw Frank was probably for a few hours. I say this because Frank usually just popped in wherever I was with James. Sometimes Frank would stop by James' tanning salons for a little bit, stop by restaurants where we were eating or having drinks, or just come by wherever James was living at the time. Each and every one of those times, Frank was showing up to buy Coke. Some transactions occurred in front of me, and some did not. Perhaps it's because the locations varied. Since James and I are cousins, Frank felt comfortable purchasing in front of me. The transactions that I witnessed weren't for large amounts. Frank was buying just enough for his personal use. If he did ever purchase large amounts of Coke from James, it never happened in my presence. But yeah, it was no secret that Frank bought Coke from James. Throughout the 90s up until my arrest, I probably saw Frank a dozen times, and all of these encounters were the same. Frank would stop by wherever James was at for a short amount of time to score. Outside of my presence, I knew that they were close friends, but each and every time I saw Frank and James together, 
Frank was always there to pick something up. Some of those times occurred while Frank was in town from Corpus Christi, and over the years, I always wondered if James was expanding his operation to Corpus Christi, but James and I never discussed it, nor do I have any proof of this suspicion. This thought only crossed my mind because of Frank making it a point to visit with James during his trips to Dallas. When Frank meets people, he presents himself as a very nice guy. It actually works well for him, but some people are able to pick up on his slime factor. For people that have met him, they'll know exactly what I'm talking about. It's as if he's overselling the nice guy act, which prompts you to be alert and cautious. If all true, Ivan paints an interesting picture of Frank and his history with James. So now, let's dig back in to the time in question. After talking to Frank's friends, Rick and Laura, it would seem that Frank's alibi checked out for that Friday night, November 3rd, the night of Ivan's midnight visit. Frank spent the night about an hour away from James and Amy Kitchen's house. But if we're to believe Ivan, Amy Kitchen was still alive around 6 a.m. As you heard from the forensic pathologist in episode 7, Amy Kitchen's medical examination report would seem to support that. So Riger's setting in in the jaw, but the legs are still movable. So six hours from when they're testing this, which is when the... Um, medical examiners is at the scene. So if they're at the scene at 6.30 p.m. and the Riger is setting in in the jaw, that's about six hours before that. So it would be, you know, in the late morning, early afternoon of the 4th, not the 3rd. That would correspond with him having seen her alive in the morning. At around 6 a.m.? Yeah. Because for and that she could have been killed after that. If Ivan said he said last saw her alive at 6 o'clock that morning, I would buy it. I'm not buying that they were dead the night before. At trial, Frank testified he left Rick's house that Saturday morning around 8, putting him around James' house at 9 a.m. Though at trial, Rick testified that Frank left around 7, putting him around James' house at 8 a.m. I also wondered if it was possible that Frank left out of the house even earlier maybe before Rick and Laura were up and moving, and Rick just assumed he left at 7. So it's feasible that Frank could have been in Dallas even earlier in the morning on that Saturday. And here's what I find curious about Frank's story about that Saturday. He testified that he got to James' mortgage office at 9 a.m. He said that he was supposed to meet James there to get a new client signed up. But James never showed up. Frank said he tried to call James numerous times that morning. But James' phone records are missing for November 4th. They were never in the case file, which itself is odd. So there's no way to confirm those calls. Frank said he just handled the business over the phone and he was done about 10.30 to 11 a.m. He said it was very odd that James never showed up and wasn't answering the phone, but... Frank just went on with his day. He said he got an oil change and visited a buddy at another car dealership. 
and I've wondered if it was so odd and uncharacteristic for James not to show up to work or answer his phone. Why didn't Frank just pop by the house after he finished up the business in the morning? It was only a few miles from the office. Why not go over and knock on the door? Instead, he said he was just poking around town, and then he had gotten back up to Rick's house at around 5 p.m. when he got a call from a mutual friend named Dino that told him that James and Amy had been murdered. And then he drove back to their house and got there at 6 p.m. Later that night is when he told Anna, the translator friend of Mark Kitchen, they weren't killed last night, they were killed today. Why would Frank say that if he didn't know it to be true? And since it seems I can't ask Frank how he knew that, Frank said he won't answer any more of my questions. Let's hear what the translator friend remembers about that encounter. This is from an interview conducted by private investigator Eddie Frankham with Anna in 2016. that I work and investigate are cases where um, people have already been convicted of a crime and something has come up in the case. And so they ask me to go out. Mark's case? No, no, not Mark's. The sister? Um, No, the sister is Amy. 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 Mm -hmm. No, this doesn't have anything to do with Mark or Amy. Um, So the information that we got is from a a police report. And I'm going to show it to you. Um, and this is a police report uh, written. This is from the Dallas Police Department. And it's written by a detective named Wynn. Wynn. Um, and, and this was on, uh, it's dated November the 5th, 2000. 2000. Okay. Um, do you want to read that real quick? Yeah. Anna read the report which was the telephone call from Mark Kitchen who requested the following information be passed on to Detective Wynn. Mark relayed that James had a pager and gave the number. Additionally, he stated that on the night that the bodies were found, he was at the offense location, along with a friend he identified as this Anna, who was at the location to translate. He stated that while at the scene, he was approached by an individual who identified himself as Mr. Frank Perez. He stated that Frank identified himself as a friend and business associate of the complainant, and also stated that he had been living with the complainants for about three weeks. He stated that Frank was driving a black Ford Ranger truck. He relayed Frank's license plate and phone number. He stated that while talking to Frank, He told him that he had just had his truck serviced that day, Saturday, at Bellargian Ford. Mark stated that Frank told him that his service manager was Mr. Jim Io. Mark stated that while talking to Anna about Frank, that she told him that she thought Frank was acting very strange and suspicious. Mark stated that she told him that while she was at the location, Frank was using his sweater to open a door and to turn lights on, as if he didn't want to leave his fingerprints on anything. 
Additionally, she told him that Frank said, quote, they weren't killed last night, they were killed today, unquote. He stated that this statement made Anna uneasy. And lastly, Mark relayed Anna's phone number in the event that she would need to be contacted. That was the end of the report. When Ivan and I were going over this from the case file, he brought up an interesting question. Frank said he was staying there for three weeks. It would have been assumed that his fingerprints would have been found in the house. So Ivan asked if Frank was using his sweater on doorknobs and light switches. Whose fingerprints was he worried the police would find? Yeah, I was translating that day because everybody was like, and there was nobody speak Spanish okay. there. And the <clears throat> mother from the, I think the, the victim or, yeah, I think the mother from Emmy's boyfriend that passed. She was not speaking English. She was not speaking in English? Uh, not that well for the police can understand. So I was outside and Mark, they just grabbed me and they said, come help us. And I was like, Okay. Mm-hmm. How, how did you know Mark? Anna explains her husband was friends with Mark since elementary school and... I think from my 20 years to be here, maybe... If it, I see him maybe like five, seven times. Okay. So, so do you remember this incident? That, oh, I'm never going to forget for the rest of my life because they take me all the way. They, I think that was a mistake from the cop that he took me all the way to where they find the bodies. Okay. And they were out getting shot to see all the So blood. the police took you inside the apartment? Inside of the apartment and the room and the bedroom where they got killed. Did you see the the dead bodies? No, there were no bodies anymore. They were already gone. They were already gone. Okay. So, but did you see blood? Oh, a lot. A lot. A lot, and then like a, a looks, and that's what I told my husband because he was outside. I get out from there, and he said, "What's going on?" I said, "I don't feel good." Because the bed, it was against the wall. And I was telling him that looks like I wanted the shot. So then the blood is spread all over. Blood is spread all over? All over the wall. And I said, I don't know. See, uh, according to, I think the firefighters, because of the one that opened the windows, I think. The, windows. the firefighters? I think. And do I remember the march say to Joy? I do not remember for sure. I think they find Emmy's body in the bathroom. So what? And I tell Joy, I think Emmy, when she got shot, she was still alive because from the bed to the bathroom, it was like a, you can see that probably somebody. Like a her was like a try to go to the bathroom. She's dragging herself. Dragging herself. Okay. I said because you can see that blood that was just like a spreading on And you know when you put like a liquid how it goes, it yes. spread. 
That's it. And I told you, yes, I told you, I can't, I can't sleep for three days because it was too much to mm -hmm. me to see it. Now, when you say Joey, do you mean Joseph? Or My husband, yeah. Okay. All right. So, so where were you when you found out or someone came to get you to help translate? Anna explains that she was at a Chili's with her husband Joey that night, and Mark called Joey and told him that Amy had been killed and he needed them to come right over, so they quickly met Mark outside the house. And we are outside, and then the police, I do not remember if the police was there or the police came, and then the parent, the mom from uh, the guy, I do not remember his name, the one that was deceased and uh, killed. And, and then she started crying and she started yelling uh, a name of a guy. And you had to tell him there was him. Then you had what, to. What was the name? I forgot the name. But she was yelling that name. He did it. He did it. But I think they got that guy because he stole the car. Would you know the name if I said it? Say it. Ivan. 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 Yeah, Ivan. 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 But she was saying it in Spanish. This woman speaking Spanish was James' mother, Gladys. And then the police came, and then she grabbed me and Mark, and then the, and she what? And then she grabbed me, the lady, and I said, "Tell him they're looking for Evan." And so she's talking to you in Spanish. Yeah. And you're talking to the police. In English, yeah. Okay. And then. And so what did you do when she said that? Well, because she said, "Tell him to the cop," and then I, I tell the cop, I said. She said that you need to look for Evan. And then the cops said, who's Evan? And I asked the lady, and he said, they are cousins. I said, he's very jealous of him. All the time, he's very jealous of him. And I said, he's the one that did it. I said, I'm sure that he did it. So according to Anna, Ivan was the first one James' mother suspected. That she said that was the cousin. And then I told him that she said that all the time they were jealous about okay. her son. Okay. And uh, then the police took you inside. Take me, took me inside because the lady went inside. Oh, the mother went the inside. The mother went inside, and they were looking in the doors or in the kitchen. They were in that time in the kitchen. So the cop said, "Come over here," and and they take Mark, the moms, and myself. Um, so, at some point, did another man show up out there? Yes. In this report that I showed you just a while ago, uh, it says that his name is uh, Frank Perez. Frank. Frank. Frank Perez. Was that him? I think so. I don't remember. Do you remember? Do you remember what he's? Did he make you feel uncomfortable? Some of the things that he was saying or doing? No. Did he did it? Right? Did he do what? Did he is the one that killed them? Oh, no. No? No, and I'm not trying to solve the crime. That's yeah. not my job. This is an issue I've been asked to come and talk to you about. Was this Frank Perez? Um, it says here that um, Mark Kitchen uh, said that he was talking to you about Mr. Perez and that you told Mark 
that you thought Mr. Perez was acting very strange, strange. suspicious. <laughs> it's because he was like, like a he knows pretty much the house. He, he, he knows pretty much the house and he was doing things like, first of all, why are you trying to look for car keys? Car keys? And he was looking for car keys. And I told Mark because he was like, a, like I go to a specific place to try to get, and where's the money? He said. He said that? He said. And he took money because that's what and that's what I tell more. I said that this guy live right here because he's looking for things like uh, where's the car keys and like uh, he knows where it was the car keys, where was the uh, things, you know. Okay, so Frank Perez, you heard him say, "Where's the car keys? Where's the money?" Uh huh. Okay. Um, it says in this report that. Uh, Mark Kitchen also stated to the police that you told him that while while you were at the at that location, uh, Mr. Perez was using his sweater to open a door and turn lights on as if he didn't want to leave fingerprints on anything. No, I don't tell that. I do not remember that I told them. That was so long time ago, but I do not remember that. You don't remember saying that? Mm-mm. So I guess I remember when the, he, he was looking for the car keys. I don't know if he then that he knows them because he even say it. It supposed to be in this door over here and he was open the door. That's what I said, they start open doors like a I was like, oh, why they open doors if they need to investigate all this? You know. Kinda of suspicious. It was I mean, I never see something like that, but if somebody got it's common sense if somebody pass away in your house like that kind of time, yes. you do not touch anything. Right. And uh, it's common sense. I guess sure. everybody could know it. And there were open doors like that. They were the kitchen and they were open. I said, there were kids that were supposed to be here. But he said that, Frank. Keys. Uh-huh. The car keys over here. Oh, he said, where's the money? Normally they have money over here, you know. Okay. Like it, say that. it says here, additionally, you told Mark that Mr. Press said, quote, they weren't killed last night, they were killed today. Do you remember him saying that? Remember. I do not remember. Okay. Uh, Mark stated that this statement by Mr. Press made you feel uneasy. Well, it made me feel uncomfortable. You did not remember that I told Mark if he uh, he knows because he was doing things like that he's not supposed to be doing. Mr. Perez? Yeah, like open doors. So you don't recall um, Mr. Perez making you feel uneasy about something that he said about this didn't happen last night, it happened today? I do not remember to say that. Okay. I really, I do not remember it a long, long time. Go. Okay. But I, I, when do you mention that? Yes, I remember when that tomorrow. I said, Mark, this guy is like, he lives in here or he was living with them? Was it because he knows too much? Yeah. But he was like, uh, nothing happened, you know? Like, <laughs> you go like, oh. He was just acting like it was a normal day? Yeah, like a nothing happened. <laughs> okay. Um, Anna told the investigator that sometime after, 
She received a subpoena for the case and showed up at the courthouse, but they never talked to her and just sent her home. Did you ever talk to um, a defense lawyer? Did you I ever talk to nobody? Did you ever talk to an investigator like me? Mm-mm. No. Nobody. Were you ever contacted by anyone? Um, this is only that time when they tell me to go, and then uh, that's it. Nothing else. Okay. So what I need to do um, at this point is to get a, a written statement from you. Shouldn't take very long. You know, just basically what you tell me. And because the audio wasn't great during that interview, this is that written affidavit. Mark, the victim's mother, the police, and myself were in the house, and I continued translating from Spanish to English. The victim's mother was screaming, You all need to find Ivan. He's the one that did it. At some point, Frank Perez shows up, and I thought that it was very odd that he was saying the car keys and the money were not there. He mentioned they normally put the keys and the money in the kitchen cabinets. He was opening doors, going through stuff. At this point, the mom was screaming, Mark was crying, and it looks like to me, Frank was very calm, like normal, like nothing was happening. I was never contacted or interviewed by police or any investigator or attorney until today. I did receive the subpoena, and when I went to the court, they told me to go home. At that time, I felt that what I said, it was important, and the jury would have wanted to hear what I said. I was ready to testify if asked to. So according to Anna, Frank was acting peculiar, but she didn't remember Frank saying, quote, they weren't killed last night, they were killed today, unquote. So there's no more context for that statement. But let's dig more into the day in question. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. You'll remember Mark Kitchen also left word for Detective Wynn that Frank said on that day, November 4th, he got an oil change. I found it interesting that Frank gave the name and the number of the manager of the car dealership in case it needed to be checked out. And 20 years later, I checked with the service manager. And sure enough, the system went back that far 
and it confirmed that Frank Perez got an oil change on November 4th, 2000. However, it didn't list a time. So I went back into the trial transcripts and read that Frank also said he was visiting a friend named Dino who worked at another car dealership. Well, 20 years later, Dino was still in the car business. Thank you for calling. For service, press one. For parts, press two. For sales, press three. Or dial zero for the operator. How my director call? Yeah, was uh, Dean working today? Yes, he is working today. Excellent. Can I speak with him? Yeah, uh, give me one moment. Let me see if he's available. What was your name, sir? It's Matt. Matt, okay, give me one sec. Hello, Miss Dean. Hey, Dean. Uh, my name is Matt Duff. I am a private investigator, and your name came up in a case that I'm working. It's a it's a case for a long time ago, about 20 years ago, about the, oh. the murders of James Mosqueda and his fiance. Did you know James? I did. How did you know James and Ivan? Were you just friends back I then? I James through, yeah, we were just through his, uh, he had a tanning salon. Right, okay. Before James' mortgage business, James had a tanning salon business in the early 90s. Back in the tanning salon days. Yeah. I just came across your, your name in, I guess, the, the trial it, it came up, but were you ever called in or anything like that? No. Mm-mm. And the cops. Now I had uh, some detectives come talk to me. Oh, they did. Yeah, they came and talked to me. Uh huh. Okay. What were they talking to you about? Just the the, you know what? I mean, it's kind of odd. They just came in and uh, talked to me, asked if I knew him, and you know, of course, they said, "Do you know who killed him?" And I said, "No." And they asked if I knew Ivan, and I said, "Yeah." Uh, but that was it. And they said they they'd give me a call if they needed me in court, but they they didn't call me or anything like that. And now, did you know anything? It came out at trial. It wasn't a, 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 I guess, a big secret. But did you know anything about James's kind of side business and, and drugs? Yeah, he 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 did do that. Mm-hmm. So pretty much everybody that knew James kind of knew that other side. Yeah. And now, when when you found out that he was murdered, what mm-hmm. did you think? I thought it had something to do with that. pretty curious i mean did you ever hear anything just even just rumors or anything on the streets about what might have happened other than ivan did it or do you have I mean, any other information? yeah that's a, that's all that's all that uh, i've ever heard um and you know that came from the detectives that what's uh, that they had i mean and they told me this but they had him on camera at a gas station barefooted and covered in blood hmm Like you heard Frank say last episode, the police were telling people that they had security camera footage of Ivan at a gas station. Where is this security camera footage? If they were telling people this, why isn't it in evidence or presented at trial? And we've seen the jeans that Ivan was supposedly wearing. Those were not covered in blood. And Amy never said Ivan's shirt was covered in blood. So who was covered in blood? barefoot at this gas station. 
that came from their mouth. Uh, Seeing them on video at a gas station pumping gas. See, that surveillance footage never came out at trial, and since then, nobody's ever seen it. And actually, uh, even Ivan is saying, if we could get surveillance footage, you know, he's saying that it could prove his innocence, but it could go, maybe it could go the other way. But if they had that in evidence, I don't know why they wouldn't have shown that, because that would have sealed the deal. Sealed the deal, yeah. Possibly, the prosecution thought the deal was already sealed with all the other evidence. But you would think if they actually had camera footage of Ivan, it would have been presented at trial. So, was there ever this security camera footage? I don't know. But now let's get into the reason for this call. And now, what about uh, a guy named Frank Perez? Do you know him? Frank Perez, yeah, I worked with him back in uh, 93 through 2000, yeah. Okay, where did you work with him? North Central Ford. Okay, that was North Central. And was Frank living with James or something around that time? Or do you no. recall? No. No, I don't I don't I don't ever recall that. I don't I don't believe so. And so at that time well around the time of the murders, were you guys still working together or no? Do you Me remember? and Frank? No. No, he, we weren't. I was at Bob Thomas Ford at the time. Oh, okay. Now, do you remember the day, that day, and I mean, that was 20 years ago or whatever, but do you recall yeah. Frank coming up to see you at all that day? It would have been the day, actually, I think the bodies were found. Uh, no, uh-uh. I don't. What did you do for the rest of the day? I ate and visited different friends at different car lots, car dealerships, gentleman by the name of Dino. I had just left his office, actually. But do you recall Man. Frank coming up to see you? Uh, no. Well, that's interesting. How certain would you would you be of that? I mean, pretty certain? I'd be all, yeah. Because Frank said in his statement, the day the bodies were found, that he came up and saw you. I don't know. Even though that was 20 years ago, you'd be certain of that. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it... I just remember receiving a phone call about his death. I don't, I never spoke to Frank. He never came to where I was working now. After I left Bob Thomas Ford and McKinney, I went to the house. I didn't have time to get comfortable when my cell phone rang and I was told. And who was it that you got the phone call from? From a mutual friend of ours, a gentleman by the name of Dino. I had just left his office actually. Yeah, cause he says he got the call from you that they were no, uh uh-uh. That's my I got a call from uh, Rick who called me. That's the same Rick that Frank was staying with. So you know Rick as well, because I talked oh. to Rick also. Yeah. Rick um, was a sales, yeah, I know Rick. Oh, I got you. So he was a salesman at 
uh, North Central Florida. Uh-huh. Okay. So you got a call that day from Rick. Uh-huh, that evening. Of, uh, I believe that was the day he was, he was uh, murdered. And that's how you found out. Um, huh? Huh. So if Dino didn't tell Frank about the murders, like Frank testified, how did Frank know about the murders? And when you were talking to Dino, that point, neither one of you knew? No, no. What did you do after you got that phone call? Shortly after, I freaked out. I got on the road and got there. I was pretty shooken up. I had trouble standing. I was pretty shooken up. At some point, Frank Perez shows up. At this point, the mom was screaming, Mark was crying, and it looks like, to me, Frank was very calm, like normal, like nothing was happening. I was pretty shooken up. I had trouble standing. I was pretty shooken up. What type of guy was Frank? What do you remember about him? I mean, he was innocent enough. I mean, we played, he was, we played softball. He was on our softball team. Um, I mean, I don't, he, he was a pretty good guy. I mean, never, never had any issues with him. But, you know, I did, like, like I said, I, I don't know. And so since you found out that James and Amy were murdered, you never saw him or talked to him since? No. Hmm. I'm just wondering why he used your name as where he was hanging out that oh. day. I mean, I don't see why he would come hang out at a dealership. But I was confused by that too. Was that something that he did, or that seems a little odd to me? No, uh-uh. that is odd. But no, no, he never did. So Frank, the guy that reportedly said. They weren't killed last night, they were killed today. Frank, the guy with access to James' home and James' office, lied under oath about where he was the day the bodies were discovered and how he found out about the murders in the first place. Who would have called him? No one else in James' and Amy's circle seemed to even know Frank. No one knew he was living with them. So how could Frank have found out about these murders. And why would Frank lie about where he was that day? This is yet another glaring example of Ivan's inadequate defense counsel, not calling Anna or Dino to the witness stand. But again, Ivan's defense called zero witnesses. Frank's actions are extremely suspicious. Like Ivan asked, If Frank was using a sweater on doorknobs and light switches, whose fingerprints was Frank worried the police would find? You'll remember from episode 10 and episode 18, this anonymous tip stated, He stated that he was at a pool hall in Oak Cliff and that people at the pool hall were talking about the complainant's death. He stated that the people were saying that they believed an individual named Mario Rojas killed the complainant and his girlfriend because James owed him a lot of money for drugs. And while investigating that tip, an informant from Oak Cliff told me this. These were not good people. Johnny Mojica, Mario Rosas, the dude that died, Ace. And then there was a guy named Frank Perez. 
the investigation of the Oak Cliff Connection. Next time on Cousins by Blood. find out more about the case and to see pictures, check out the website at CousinsByBloodPodcast.com and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If you have any information about this case, you can email me at CousinsByBloodPodcast at gmail.com. The Prosecution, read by Catherine Ganaimi Leach. Frank Perez's trial testimony, read by Randall Strew. Anna's Affidavit, read by Melissa Fabregas. The Anonymous Tip, read by Dale LaFuenta. The Informant, read by Susie Dryden. Mixing and Mastering, by Jody Abbott. Thank you for listening, and stay tuned.